You know, God did not make the gospel very complicated. As a matter of fact, it's, it's very simple. It's not hard to understand at all. Although some people make it, want to make it complicated, and then others want to go to the other side and make it so simple that one doesn't really have to do anything uh, except confess Christ. And we know that's not what God had in mind, but the gospel being the good news is not very difficult at all. We'll be taking our lesson from Acts, the second chapter of nine, if you want to go ahead and turn there. And we're going to look at getting back to a simple gospel. The Bible does have some complex areas that take a little more study than others. For instance, the Trinity and the Godhead and and those areas take more study sometimes than other things such as just baptism itself. We know baptism is not a very complex subject. But when we look at what took place on the day of Pentecost, we can see that it was... Just regular people obeying what they had heard. And as they were spoken to by the uh, apostles, they were uh, presented the gospel. They were presented different things as before we get up to uh, where Peter tells them to repent and be baptized. When we go back into the the, uh, beginning of chapter 2 and we read up, there were things that were brought about brought back to their remembrance concerning the Jews and concerning Christ and so on and so forth. But after they were presented the gospel, they began to believe something that they had never really heard before. The gospel was something new to them. The idea of the church and so on and so forth. We don't know what all was said during that speech to the people. But we do know that some very important things were said to them. That's just like when we read of Philip going down to the city of Samaria and he preached the kingdom to the people. Well, there were a lot of things involved in that. But we're not told exactly what he he taught uh, for the most part. But when we look at what happened on the day of Pentecost, we see these people had, had the right response to what was spoken to them. At least some of them did because we know that 3,000 uh, souls were added to the church that day. But there were thousands and thousands of people in the city of Jerusalem and only 3,000 of, of that group really obeyed the gospel. Now there are more than that heard the, the uh, gospel, but uh, many chose not to obey. But w- what we have here before us is uh, a situation explaining uh, about those that received the gospel and what they did after that. Uh, they, In verse 41 it says, They that gladly received His word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So these people, basically when we look at the word glad, or as it says here, they gladly, that was something they did on their own, and they were glad to do that. Uh, I'm sure that you, like I, when you learn what you needed to do to obey the gospel, you were happy to do it. It reminds me of the first psalm and what it says about the godly person. If you want to follow along with me, I'm going to read uh, from Psalm 1, where it talks about the blessed. 
Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now that gives you a happy picture in your mind and in your heart. The godly person wants to follow God and do that which is right, and it makes us happy to do that. These people were happy. They were glad to receive the Word, but it didn't stop there. They wanted to continue to uh, pay attention to what was being told to them. And in verse 41, we see that they gladly received the Word. Well, what does that really mean, receive? Did they just do nothing after that? Well, that's not the case. It's important to understand that everybody will be held accountable at Judgment Day. And as Jesus says in John twelve forty eight, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So it is an obligation to receive God's word. And in, as Jesus says here in John twelve forty eight, the consequences of not receiving that is not going to be good. We must receive it and we must act upon it. Also, and Jesus talked a lot about his about the word, his word, God's word, and people's response to it. We go and look at the uh, situation of the sower sowing the seed. In that account, there are four different types of soil, going from those that basically reject it to those that receive it fully. So there is a state of mind that people will get to to where they will receive the gospel. No, the gospel is like a two-edged sword. It will either harden someone's heart or it will soften one's heart. It's kind of like what happened with Pharaoh, uh, how the scriptures say that uh, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well, it, it, God didn't harden Pharaoh's heart. What was spoken, what was said, what was commanded came from God, and that's what hardened Pharaoh's heart, a response to what uh, Moses had said and done. So we see here it's very important to understand a person needs to accept what Jesus says. In John five twenty four, Jesus as he was talking to the Jews, said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. He was telling the people, basically, if you don't accept what is being taught, you're going to suffer. You're going to pay for it eternally. And the Jews believed in God, but they didn't accept Christ. But in order to accept God, you have to accept Christ. And that's what he's trying to get across to them. So the gospel was received by these brethren. And not only the fact that they received it, but they continued in that. And we'll look at that in in just a moment. But when they received it, they were willing. They opened up their hearts. They opened up their minds to receive what was being spoken. And this is after 
Peter tells them that they had crucified Christ. Now, I'm sure many of them took offense to that and just said, well, that's the, that's the end of it. I'm not listening to another word. But those that wanted to do what was right, men and brethren, what shall we do? So there were those that wanted to do what was right. They wanted to receive it. And then that's when Peter tells them to repent and be baptized for the remission of their sins. And here, we can look at this and say, well, does a person really have to do that? And there are those who will go to extremes to show how that what uh, the reading here is, is really uh, repent and be baptized because your sins have already been forgiven. There are those who try to do that with the word for there. And that's not what that means. You know, uh, and people have many different ideas about salvation. Why did Peter say what he did? Why didn't he say some of the things that people say, well... You know, all you have to do is have faith. All you have to do is accept Jesus. Is that what Peter said? No. They asked Peter, what shall we do? And he told them what to do. So it's not complicated. It's a simple gospel. And they did, and there were those that did receive it. They reacted to what they had received. Well, what did they do? Well, look at verse 42. And they can, uh, well... In verse 41, it says they were baptized. But in verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So, they wanted not only to do what they were told to do, but they continued. Now this, it, it, sometimes we fail to look at, there's two uh, time frames here. One is the immediate where they were told what to do and they obeyed the gospel. But then after that, in the days following. And that's what it's talking about. And they continued steadfastly in the days following that. You know, there are those that want to make a contention about which day of the week or how many times a month or whatever we're supposed to meet. And they look at Acts 20 and verse 7 and they'll say, well, that, that doesn't mean that you have to meet on the first day of every week. And they say, where's the authority to meet on the first day of every week? Where are, we to, where are we told to meet on the first day of every week? Well, the disciples were told on that day, the day of Pentecost, because that was the first day of the week. When in verse 42, they continued steadfast in the apostles' teaching. Well, what were they taught? They were taught to gather on the first day of the week. We also find later on there in Acts 20 and verse 7, some 20 to 30 years later, that they're still doing that. They were still meeting on the first day of the week. But in this teaching, it said they were taught different things, the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They continued to have fellowship. And in breaking of bread in here, it means the Lord's Supper and prayer. So they were taught different things on the day of Pentecost, and they continued after that. They wanted to continue to do what they were taught and how they were taught. Uh, it wasn't a matter of just do it any way you want to. They were to continue to do it the way that they were taught. So they retained this teaching. And that they, and as the church developed throughout the years, uh, and Apostle Paul, he taught many congregations, he would teach them to teach others, teach faithful men as he says in, in his letter to Timothy. 
that he was to teach faithful men who would go on and teach what they had been taught. So they retained what they were taught. They continued in these. But notice, look at what it also says in verse 46. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Now this is something oftentimes even members of the church get mixed up on uh, in what really happened here. Now they continued to teach daily in the temples. They would teach what they had learned. It was nothing uncommon for Jesus, the Apostle Paul, and others to go into the temple because that's where people were. To go in and teach the gospel. They continued daily teaching that and then breaking bread from house to house. Now this is where uh, people kind of get confused a little bit. They didn't necessarily break bread, which is a fellowship meal here, uh, every day. The church didn't meet every day in someone's house to have a fellowship meal. But it means that they did fellowship with one another in their homes off and on. And that's what they were taught to do. They were taught to fellowship. Remember, back up here in verse 42, talking about fellowship, they were taught to fellowship. Of course, I don't think that was a stretch for them anyway because they were probably used to having uh, meals with one another and on a you know, like we've done our whole lives with family and friends getting together. A lot of times, of course, here in America, a lot of times it's done on the weekends. You worked all week long, but yeah, you're going to gather up somebody's house on Friday night or Saturday and cook out and do things like that. So the idea of fellowship is not a strange idea. But we see that that's what they were taught, and they contain and they retained these teachings and continued. And in verse 47, we see how that. Luke writes, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So there, that progression, daily. So we need to learn to separate that, knowing that you have the immediate context of them there on the day of Pentecost, but yet a lot of this teaching and fellowship and these types of things continued on. And we know that when we get to Acts the 8th chapter and how Philip went down to Samaria to preach, of course, there in that that uh, same chapter we're told that the church was scattered abroad and they went everywhere teaching the truth, teaching the gospel. So they continued to do that. Where did they learn to do that? Where did they learn that they needed to go teach this to other people? Well, we know that Jesus made that command in Matthew 28, uh, verse 19, for the disciples to go into all the nations, making disciples of all the people and teaching. And they were to continue to uh, teach what they had been taught. So these things began there on the day of Pentecost and they continued in these. And the gospel, and as Peter stated very uh, up front there about repenting and being baptized for the remission of sins, this simple gospel, the simple gospel of the truth was to be preached to all the world, to every creature. And if we go to Colossians, the first chapter, we find that this was accomplished. Uh, as Paul says, they had gone into all the world. Colossians one twenty three, as he says, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I am Paul, and made a minister. 
So this gospel went into all the world. Now, why don't we have that gospel today? Or I should say, why don't we have more people obeying that? Because of man. It wasn't God's fault that people quit teaching. You know, oftentimes you'll, you'll get the uh, hypothetical question, what if a person's never heard the gospel? Or what if a person gets stranded on a desert island and they never hear the gospel? You get all these hypothetical questions. Well, the gospel has gone into all the world and it's man's fault that it has not uh, been taught as it should have uh, through the years. But it was very simple for uh, the plan of what we call the plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. That is not a very difficult uh, concept to get your mind around. And most people don't have a problem with the hearing, believing, repenting, and confessing part. It's the baptizing part that they have a problem with. If all of a sudden you're, you know, you're working your way to heaven. Unfortunately, most people who say that, they have been taught that. That's what they've been taught. They've been, brought, uh, been taught to think that without ever really examining what the Bible says on it. Because many people take things at face value. Well, you know, my mother and dad taught me. Surely they wouldn't teach me incorrectly, or my aunt and uncle, or my grandparents. Surely they wouldn't teach me incorrectly. Well, they can only teach what they know, and if that what they know is incorrect, then guess what? They're going to teach uh, an incorrect doctrine. So, Peter tells them why they need to do these things. If we back up to, to Acts, the second chapter there, and as Peter uh, explains to them when they wanted to know what to do. What did he tell them? Well, he told them something that was not very difficult. He told them to repent. Well, they were familiar with the word repent, and then he told them that they needed to be baptized. Now, they were fam- familiar with baptism because who came before Jesus or around the same time baptizing people? Well, it was John the baptizer. He came teaching other people to be baptized. That was his job. So they were familiar with, and and like we talked about this morning, how the priests would wash. There were many rites and rituals throughout man's history, whether it was with God's people or not, how people would, would, you know, do some type of washing, ceremonial washing, ceremonial cleansing. So it wasn't a foreign idea. And especially since that John and Jesus also uh, was going around teaching people and baptizing people. So they want to know what to do. And Peter tells them very simply, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. I wonder how many people today, if they were transported back into that time, and still had the memory of what they believe right now, what they would have said to Peter. Do you think they would have interrupted Peter and said, you got that wrong, Peter. All we have to do is just accept Christ. Baptism doesn't have anything to do with salvation. I wonder if they would have really said that. Because here Peter, an apostle, spent three years with Christ, and yet he doesn't know what it takes to be saved? Having them do something that is unnecessary? 
I've always wondered that question. Of course, some would argue with Peter, <laughs> don't you think? I believe so. I believe some of them would tell him he was wrong. And the Jews oftentimes told Jesus he was wrong in what he was doing. He broke the Sabbath. He healed on the Sabbath, which he never broke the Sabbath, but to them that's what, what he did. I guess if they would argue with Jesus, they'd argue with Peter. But we see how this simple gospel, that many people did obey it. They accepted it gladly. It was something they wanted to do. Why? Because there was salvation in it. I do believe that when we come up and we're taught about heaven and hell and you know we need to obey the gospel and if we don't obey the gospel we'll be condemned, I think there's a motivation there not to want to go to hell, but I also think there's a motivation there to want to go to heaven where things are going to be great. Uh, I don't think we should look at it as, well, the only reason a person obeyed the gospel was to uh, escape hell. Well, that's a good reason, though, isn't it? <laughs> but it's a, the right kind of heart that will cause that person to continue to follow God correctly. Uh, I'm, I don't think anyone here wants to suffer eternally, uh, but yet I'm sure that it might have been a motivating factor in you obeying the gospel. So the gospel, this simple gospel redeems people. Uh, the, uh, the Bible mentions baptism several times. It talks about people being baptized, the fact that a person needs to be baptized. So when we look at these things, it's a simple gospel. We never should move away from that. Unfortunately, some in the church have. Some in the church had, and I imagine they may have had a denominational background before coming into the, the church. Uh, Max Cato is one of them. Has backtracked and said basically salvation, uh, baptism is not necessary for salvation. And that is very unfortunate because a lot of people will believe him. If you learn a watered-down or perverted gospel from the beginning, what are you going to pass on to those you're trying to teach? And that's why the denominational world is so big, because all those things, the incorrect things, were passed on over a period of time. But we see here that these people received the gospel, and they wanted to continue to do it. Uh, it was something they wanted to embrace in their hearts, they wanted to do what God said. And just like us, we want to do what God says. So they reacted to what they heard. They embraced it and wanted to live according to that because the church kept growing, didn't it? They were going out preaching and teaching what they had been taught on that day. Thousands of people continued the church grew, and, and when Paul went out and established congregations in different areas, the church grew. So the gospel is something that people could embrace. They could understand it. Of course, we live in such a world today that, you know, I'm, I'm beginning to think that more and more people are becoming atheists because they see everything that's going on, and they see this religion over here and that religion, and uh, unfortunately those... Uh, not only in our lifetime that have hurt the cause of Christianity by doing things that were unchristian, like blowing up an abortion clinic and doing that in the name of Christianity. Uh, there are a lot of people who have taken a bad view of religion. I've read statements where people say, well, religion was invented to make man feel guilty and things like that. 
So there are a lot of people in the world that are atheists that will never accept the gospel. As simple as it is. Of course, we are not in a position to quit teaching the gospel just because there are those that won't believe it. You know, one soul is worth what? Everything. So if we only help one person in our lifetime get to heaven, that's better than none. That's one soul in heaven. These people went out and preached the gospel and taught the gospel because they believed in it themselves. And we need to do the same. So these are just a few things that that I thought about as I was looking at Acts, the second chapter, uh, because these people were not, you know, scholars. These were average people. I just wonder how many of them really were even literate. But you don't have to be uh, illiterate. I mean, just because a person's illiterate doesn't mean they don't have common sense or able to understand things. But these people gladly received the word and they kept on teaching and doing that because like I brought up Acts 20 verse 7 this is how many years down the road look at us now how far down the road are we 2,000 years from this are we still preaching and teaching the simple gospel absolutely and it won't stop but we have our early brethren here to thank for them going out and continuing to teach others and I hope that we can do that but it's a simple gospel It's not very complicated. And I hope that we can always remember that it's simple, but yet it's effective. The gospel is something that the world absolutely has to have. Unfortunately, there are too many people going to their deaths without obeying the gospel. Uh, Every time I, I... hear someone passing on I think about that and unfortunately there are those who will not ever will never never obey the gospel for whatever reason even when it's presented to them unfortunate I just don't think they realize what's going to take place so as we look at the second chapter of Acts it's not only a great chapter for when the church began but also looking at the attitude of the people looking at the hearts of the people and what they did, and we can use them as an example to have that kind of heart when it comes to obeying God. Getting back to a simple gospel, and that's what we need. If you're here tonight and you need to uh, respond to the Lord's invitation, uh, we encourage you to do that because, after all, heaven is our goal, and we don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot by not Uh, coming to God when we need to if we've done something that's wrong. So uh, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, I pray that you'll come as we stand and sing.